If you would please open your Bibles to the book of Daniel. We're in chapter 2 today, and it is a long passage. But it is true, and it's wonderful. Daniel chapter 2. This is God's word. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. And the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive for me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You've conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death. And men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went in to the king and asked for time that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heavens and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Then Daniel went to Arioch whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belshazzar, 
Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that have passed through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come. The revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will rise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom, yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and the interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon, and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, 
The king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Well, the astrologers and enchanters were a bunch of bad guys. They were before this happened. They will be after this happened. And Daniel saved their lives. Now, what motivated Daniel was not just compassion for them. Because Daniel was going to be killed along with them. Because when Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 1 had seen how wise Daniel and his three friends were, he had included them among his advisors. So now when these other advisors, Daniel and his friends weren't called in there as part of the group of astrologers and enchanters. They weren't part of that group, but they were part of the advisory group. And the king was so mad, he just decided to kill everybody. How'd you like to work for a guy like that? Imagine. That's exactly the situation Daniel was in. He found out that he had been given a death sentence based on the fact that these demon-worshipping astrologers and enchanters couldn't come up with something that was impossible for people to come up with. Even these demonized advisors couldn't come up with it through consorting with their demonic forces. Daniel knew that there is a God who reveals mysteries. The enchanters kind of spoke truth. They said, no, no human advisor can come up with this. It's just the, the only one who knows what you dreamed is God. The gods. And they don't live among us. Oh, but see, that's where they're wrong. There is a God who rules over all. And he has chosen to make his dwelling among us. How amazing. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus came from the Father. And that's why he was able to say to the people who looked at him, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God showed up. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. So Daniel knew who to ask for help. He told his friends, we need to pray to the God of heaven to have mercy on us and reveal this to us. And then he made his petition to God. And that night, God showed Daniel what King Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed. And Daniel goes to the head of the guard and says, I can interpret the dream. So he's brought before the king, and I love the fact that the, the head of the Nebuchadnezzar's guard says, I found someone who can do this. <laughs> no, Daniel found him. I found someone who can do this. Uh, I don't know if I got a finder's fee or not, but, uh, you know, just, just wanted you to know I'm the one who found this guy. And Daniel says, 
O great king, no human can do what you're asking, but there is a God. You see, what people need to know is not us. They need to know the one we know. Our job is to introduce other people to him. And so Daniel told the king, this is what you dreamed. And he was right. Isn't that cool? Well, of course he was right, because God's the one who gave Nebuchadnezzar the dream, and God's the one who gave Daniel the dream. God's always right. God knows everything. God knows how many hairs are on top of your head right at this moment. God knows how many hairs are inside your nose right at this very moment. God knows everything about you. When people think they can hide something from God, that is idiocy, insanity. Nothing is hidden from him. He knows all things. Before a word is on my tongue, God knows what I'm going to say. Before I know what I'm going to say. And so for God to tell Daniel what Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed was amazing, but not to God. God knew it. God revealed it. Daniel knew who he should ask. So, the dream was remarkable. It was of this giant statue that was like a timeline of future events. These things that were going to happen. The gold head represented Nebuchadnezzar. And if you were Nebuchadnezzar and you had his personality, you would like that. Okay? I mean, this guy clearly, if you read the book, this guy clearly was an egomaniac. And so he is the head of gold. And God is the one who put him in that position. Now, if I was looking at this situation just as a, an observer, whether media or a political advisor, whatever, I would say, the guy's a jerk. What are you, what are you doing? No, God took a bad man, a wicked, wicked, egotistical man, and he put him as the head of the world empire. Well, did they really? I mean, at this point, I don't think Babylon was in charge of, uh, like, China or uh, uh, down in South Africa or that sort of thing. Those, those other kingdoms weren't really under Babylonian control, were they? In terms of what God was doing in the world, this was the apex. This was what God was up to. So, uh, <clears throat> God made him the head? Yes. And you and I need to remember that as we read Romans 13. Because the people who are in government may be complete slime balls, but God gave us those slime bowl balls because of our slimy country's culture. It's because of the wickedness of the people 
that God gives them bad leadership. That's what his word teaches us. The reason that Nebuchadnezzar was able to roll over Judah was because Judah had told God, no, we don't want to do it that way. We want to do it this way. And so they got Nebuchadnezzar, a guy who didn't even believe in God. And he conquered them because God chose to raise up Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar is the gold head. All right, I like the dream so far. You're doing a good job with the interpretation. What's, what's next? Well, what's next is going to be the empire of the Medes and Persians. And sure enough, that's exactly what followed. And then you're going to have Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire. That's the next one as you move down. And then you get the Roman Empire. This is an exact description of what happened. Not 40 years later, not 140 years later, we're talking centuries upon centuries all outlined for us right here. Amazing. Amazing. But during the time of the Roman Empire, something else happens. God cuts a rock out of the mountain. And that rock not only crushes these other kingdoms, but that rock grows into a huge mountain that fills the earth. What could that be? That is the kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's the kingdom of which all God's children are a part. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ, you need to understand that you are a part of something that is so solid that it's in the process right now of growing and filling the earth. Say, oh no, I heard that the church in America is shrinking. The institutional church in America is shrinking. Much like a tumor. Okay? God's people are not leaving the church. But a bunch of people who are just interested in entertainment are. A bunch of people who just took the things of God from a consumerist mindset and said, well, I, I want what makes me feel good. A lot of those folks are deciding, you know, it's easier just to stay home. <laughs> it's easier to go to the country club. It's easier to sleep in. It's easier to play tennis. It's easier to do whatever. Let's go boating. Why? Well, because, I mean, you know, I feel just as close to God out on the lake as I do when I'm in church. And the answer is you probably are. You probably are. Because when you're out on the lake, God is there. And when you're in church, God is there. But you're not paying attention to Him either place. You're just after what feels good wherever you go. And so tons of people are saying, well, I used to be a Christian, but I, I just don't believe that anymore. Well, then you didn't used to be a Christian. Jesus says in Matthew 7 that a bunch of religious people who are not going to heaven, 
who did things in Jesus' name will be told by him, depart from me, you lost your salvation. Is that what he says? No. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. John writes, they went out from us because they were not of us. Because if they were of us, they would not have gone out from us. Jesus talks about a dog returning to its vomit. You know why a dog returns to its vomit? It's a dog! Understand? These are not saved people who've lost the faith. These are people who did not know the Lord. When you speak of them with some disdain, I just want us to be clear about the fact that while the institutional church in America is shrinking, and it is, the body of Christ worldwide is growing. And some of the places where it is growing the fastest are places like Iran, where it's illegal, where the price for following Jesus can be prison or death. But you see, the Spirit of God is at work. God is drawing people to himself and he's changing hearts and minds and lives. You and I, need to understand that what was prophesied here is what God says is going to happen. Verse 44. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. Guess what? That's the truth. That's the truth. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You and I don't have to be afraid. For us to act as a boy, boy, I hope our side wins. He's already won. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus did not meet with his disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel and say, okay, guys, listen, I think we have a real shot at this. Okay? My ambition is with your help to become King of kings and Lord of lords and at that point, I will have all authority. And, 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 and if we all work together, we can do this. Are you with me? Jesus didn't say that. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. The reason we go out and tell people about Jesus is because he is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. what's the big deal about that? I don't think you know what those words mean. That means when the news is bad, we've got good news that trumps that. 
Okay? When the doctor says something scary, we don't have to be afraid. I've told the story numerous times about the young man, Mr. Jordan's brother-in-law, who was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. He was just about to start college. So what do you do? Well, obviously everybody was distressed. And he said, don't be distressed. Don't be crying. It's okay. One of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to be healed and have an absolutely amazing testimony, or I'm going to be in heaven. Either way, I win. It's going to be great. He went through, they, they couldn't operate, but they did radiation and chemo. It was an ordeal. But the doctors were not thinking, you know, this might do it. They were thinking, we've got to do everything we can and try and extend his life. Well, instead, God healed him. I performed his wedding. I've met his kids. They're adorable. He married Mr. Jordan's sister. She's adorable, too. So, so what, what do you and I need to do when the news is grim? We've got to remember the good news. We've got to remember that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not be destroyed, but instead will have everlasting life. That's really good news. Jesus is not trying hard to win. He's already conquered. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but don't be afraid, I've already overcome the world. The outcome is decided. These things had not happened yet. But there wasn't any uncertainty about the outcome. We look into the future and we say, boy, I wonder... If it's going to be like that or like this, I just don't know. God knows the end from the beginning. God knows exactly what's going to happen. And as my late friend Corey Ten Boom used to say, there's never a panic in heaven. Okay? God never says, oh, I should have seen that coming. Okay? When I was a kid, one of the songs that we used to sing was, he's got the whole world in his hands. You better believe it. It's true. So you look at your life. You look at your circumstances. You look at what's happening in your family, in this country, in this world, and you say, I don't like this. Well, I'll tell you something. When I read the scriptures, I find that there's a lot of stuff God doesn't like either. Don't think that because God's in control, it means that he approves of everything that everybody's doing. Please understand that. God is in control, but one of the aspects of his control 
is allowing people to do what they choose to do. So I, um, uh, how does that fit with God's sovereignty? Well, read Romans 1. The sovereign God, it says, gave them over to do what they desired to do. Does that mean God is the author of sin? Never. Never. But God has chosen to allow people to do bad things like crucify his son. And yet, God is working all things together for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. And so Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There's going to be a lot of bad stuff between now and the end. But God is not nervous, and we shouldn't be either. We need to rest in the fact that God is building his kingdom and it is spreading through the whole earth. And there's even a point in time when according to his word, the full number of Gentiles will have been gathered in. Uh, God already has a number in mind. Yeah. Yeah. He is in the process of saving people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And we're all going to be gathered around his throne one day, worshiping him forever. When my Ukrainian kids first started learning English and going to church with us and so forth, um, Somehow they got the notion in their head that basically when you die, you go to church. And they really didn't want to die at that point. Because <laughs> heaven just didn't seem all that inviting. You got to sit still, you can't make noise. That's the Presbyterian part of heaven. And I mean, it was when we suddenly realized because of something one of them said that they thought, you know, well, this is, we're going to the house of the Lord, so I guess this is what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. It's like, no, 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 no. So glad to clarify for you. Heaven doesn't even have pews, okay? But I'll tell you this, when you see Jesus... You're not going to want to sit down. You're going to want to fall down. You're going to want to fall down before him. Because he is so wonderful. He is so wonderful. Do you know him? Have you trusted him? Have you asked him to save you? Because he will. Do you realize you need a savior? Or are you still thinking that with a little bit of help from God, you can get your act together. What we need is a brand new life. And Jesus came to give us life abundantly. He loves us. 
Don't let the devil con you into thinking that God is somehow out to get you. If he was out to get you, you'd be got. Understand? Well, I'm just afraid of yielding my life completely to the Lord because he might, he might ask me to do something I don't want to do. He will ask you to do things you don't want to do. As a matter of fact, he will tell you to do things you don't want to do. Well, I don't know that I really want that. Let me tell you, doing whatever he says is so much better than doing anything else. Just trust him. Is it safe? It depends on what you mean by safe. But don't be afraid. He loves you. He loves you. And like Jonathan Booth, you can know that regardless of the outcome, if you're in Christ, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. God may heal you. God may take you. Either way, you're going to be fine. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this true story of Daniel. And for the fact that you revealed to him not only the dream, but the interpretation. And not only the interpretation, but also the dream. You did what no human could do. And I thank you that Daniel didn't try and take credit for it. When you blessed him, he gave you all the glory. And then, having been so blessed by you, he was even kind to his enemies. Even the bad guys didn't get killed in this part of the story. And I thank you for that, Lord, because if the bad guys got killed, we'd all be dead. All of us have sinned. But you came to save sinners. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Now help us, we pray, to honor you this day, to do what you desire for us to do. To gladly turn everything over to you. Everything. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.